Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Arsecast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arsecast Extra. As always, with James from Gutterblog. James, good morning to you. Good morning to you too. How's it going? Uh, uh, it's good. It's fine. It's, uh, yeah, just grand. Nothing too strange or startling or weird or wonderful. Had a very quiet, uncontroversial weekend. You? Uh, yeah, exactly the same. No, uh, <laughs> no deviation good. from that. Pattern. I'm glad to hear it. You know what I did this weekend? I, I, because, you know, summer and your weekends are a bit more free when there's no Arsenal. You know, that is the thing. You know, you work all week and then when you do um, what I do and you do what you do, uh, your your weekend is work too. So without Arsenal, there's a bit more freedom at the weekends. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe a little bit of a cool project or something would be would be good to pass some of the, the weekend time. And I, I, I thought, you know what would be awesome? If I could build a pizza oven out the wow. back. I was thinking this would be amazing. You know, you could get the wood and you could you could cook your own pizzas in the wood-fired pizza oven and you could do the little bit of construction and, you know, build the thing and put it all together. And I have to admit, I'm not great at DIY. I'm not good at mechanical things. You know, it's not really the way my brain works. Uh, but nevertheless, I thought this could be quite interesting. So I did a bit of research and I watched a few YouTube videos, a few tutorials about how to, you know, build the thing and the platform and then build the oven and all that kind of stuff. And then I thought, fuck it. I can just <laughs> ring a pizza. It's yeah. much easier. You don't have to build anything at all. It'll just, it'll, it'll just arrive by magic. A man will come on a motorbike or a car and he'll give me the pizza in a box and the pizza's, you know, very nice because there are some good pizza places around. And, and I was thinking, like, what is the cost per pizza if you put something like that together? You know, because it is time-consuming. It's great to make your own pizza, and I do it at home. Uh, you know, I have to do it in the normal fan oven rather than the wood-fired oven. But it is a time-consuming process because you've got to make the dough and wait for the dough to prove and then do all the all the other bits and pieces and, and what have you. But, yeah, I'm this was you. just going too far. It would have been like 200 euros a pizza a year for about five years, which is not great <laughs> value, is it? Yeah, I think when pizza stops being efficient, then, you know, maybe pizza's losing some of its value. Yeah. But it, it was a valiant effort to think about doing it, though. Yeah, to even think about it, I, I deserve some uh, applause or, or what have you for that. Um, but that was about as exciting as the weekend got, to be honest. We're in that, right. we're in that kind of post-season, pre-pre-season 
quiet period, I think, where nothing has happened in terms of transfers. There's a lot of rumours, and no doubt we'll talk about some of those rumours. But in terms of actual things happening, there's nothing happening because, you know, everyone's everyone's gone away now. No. In fact, today is season ticket renewal deadline day. Let's not forget. Um, so I haven't renewed my season ticket yet, so I've got to do that at some point this afternoon uh, and it is kind of weird because normally by now or quite often by now there's some sort of indication of what Arsenal's business might look like or they've made a signing but mm. nothing at all and they're not alone in that respect you know apart from Daniel James going to Manchester United I can't really notice a, a, a single transfer deal that's really been completed or close to completion across the Premier League so it is just a very very quiet time yeah Hazard has gone to Real Madrid that's good oh that's the one yeah that's good I'm glad to see the back of him I have to say absolutely Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, for a lot of money a lot of money given that he had one year remaining on his deal I mean that is I mean it really shows quite how bad at this we have been down the years but there you go (laughs) How much was it in the end? Like eighty eight million pounds, something like that? Something like that. Yeah. With with incentives or it might grow or it might get a bit bigger. Pardon me, mm. my, my voice is going, it might get a bit bigger if uh, if he achieves certain things at Real Madrid. So yeah. Yeah. Eighty eight million pounds for a player with the last year in the last year of his contract. And we're we're basically scaring Napoli off because we want too much for David Ospina. Yeah. It's quite weird, isn't it? I mean, I know there's a gulf in quality between Hazard and Ospina, potentially, but... Mm. Um, yeah, so that's quite strange. But yeah, but very, very quiet. I mean, perhaps part of that is to do with the internationals, which are still just about ongoing. I think last night... Last night must be the last football match of the men's game this season. Surely that's it with the Europa... Uh, what is it? Europa? Not the Europa. The Nations. UEFA Nations League. The Nations final. League. Who won? Portugal. Oh. I.e. Ronaldo. No. I.e. I'm sad about that. Yeah, that's not great. Um, who were they playing? Yeah. It was Holland, wasn't it? Holland in the final, of course, after England's uh, semi-final failure. Uh, England won the third place playoff though against oh Granit Xhaka's Switzerland. What the fuck are they having a third place playoff for in um, a thing like the Nations League? Nobody gives a fuck about it in the first place, and surely even fewer people give a fuck about who finishes third or fourth. Yeah, I mean, I what? mean, but by all accounts, it was a terrible game as well. Mm. I think it was nil nil all the way to penalties, and they did extra um, time. What are they fucking thinking? What's the thinking behind that? Just trying to stretch the season out. Mm. I have to say, uh, because obviously the Women's World Cup's underway and last night was the first England match, England against Scotland. England have got a great group. They've got Scotland and Argentina in their group. So a couple of grudge fixtures there straight away. But uh, a lot of people in the pub I was in were watching the Nations League game and it finished and then the women's match immediately started and a, a, a significant proportion of people sort of got up and left and I was thinking I can't believe that of the two games the Nations League third place playoff is the one that you're dedicated to uh, however little you know about the women's game at least it's the World Cup do you know what I mean the yeah. Nations League who gives a shit about it honestly I'm just leaving a pause there in case you know a voice <laughs> from the darkness or the wilderness goes I care I can't. Well, I, much. I, maybe if England had got to the final, maybe I maybe I would have been like, it's a big competition, it counts for everything. But uh, I doubt it. I think I was always very aware that it was a uh, a bit of a tin pot thing. Yeah. How was Granit Xhaka in the game? Very poor. 
uh, from what mm. I saw. I only saw the last part of that match, but uh, I read a lot of reports online saying that he, it, it, you know, he he put a few dents in that mooted fifty-five million pound transfer value, which I always felt was quite <laughs> optimistic. Quite to be optimistic. Quite optimistic, yeah. Completely ludicrous. Um, and then he said after the game, I don't know anything about these rumours about me leaving the club. And uh, uh, you heard the collective sigh of Arsenal fans. I think that's the the transfer rumour of the summer that I've sort of anecdotally noticed Arsenal fans being most excited about. The possibility of getting £55 million for Granite Xhaka. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I can understand if... if um if somebody came in with 55 million, why that would be exciting. But, you know, as I said on the, the Arsecast on Friday, it's like someone knocking on your door and offering you 100 grand for your, for your old car. It's not going to happen. I mean, you would sell it in a heartbeat if that offer came in, but it is not going to happen. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know why we're even considering it or getting excited about it. You know, I, I don't see Xhaka as somebody who's going to leave this summer, personally. Right. Do you? Right. Um, I mean, as you said it, my heart slightly sank. So I guess uh, on some level I know that to be true. Uh, I don't. I suppose what I do see him is as a saleable asset. Yes, I don't disagree with that. But when it comes to when it comes to maintaining a measure of continuity within the squad, I mm. feel like Xhaka is going to be one of the players that we keep around because there's just too much other stuff going on, too many other things to do. Um, yeah. Which isn't to say I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be averse to selling him if the right offer came in, but I just don't see him as being high on the priority list of the club to to facilitate a move, to, to sort of um, push him towards the exit door when they've got other, other players that they need to push out first. And I also yeah. don't see too many teams coming along and saying, hey, we'll have that slightly inconsistent, sometimes quite good, but potentially quite error-prone midfielder. Here's a chunk of money. Who's going to do it? I don't know. For some reason, we all believed it might be into Milan. They do feel like the kind of club who would do something like that. Uh, but yes, I, I, I think you're probably right. It, you know, I would like to see Xhaka go more than I would like to see certain other saleable assets go. You know, maybe I'm thinking of the, the strikers in particular when I say that. But yeah, yeah it doesn't necessarily feel particularly... That, that seems to be the theme of this summer. You know, we, we see it in the questions today and it's been a, a discussion point mm. you know, on Twitter and, and social media about whether or not we should sell one or two of the strikers. And I wonder, you know, is, is there an element of, what's the word, masochism here or, or slight self-harm in the sense that we can all look at this squad and think, that guy needs to go, 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 he should go, he could potentially go, he definitely needs to go, and whether we get any money for him or otherwise, just get him out, whatever it is. But we're, we're we're fixated on this idea that two of the players that we probably, in my opinion, definitely shouldn't be selling are are the transfer out um, stories are just going round and round about those guys. Like, should we make ourselves worse to make ourselves better kind of thing? Well, yeah, I know what you mean. I think that I think the reason that that discussion is 
abounding. And the reason that there was sort of so much potential excitement about Shaka going is that I think there's a real desire, collective desire among fans for renewal mm-hmm. and almost at any cost. And I think that people look at it and they go, well, what we need is changeover in personnel and if it if it requires a big domino to fall to facilitate that yeah. I kind of think people are so frustrated with the current state of things that they're kind of willing to accept that um, yeah. and, and I can I can actually see some logic in it I mean I keep sort of having a think about a kind of you know making the case in a in a piece or something from a what do they say? Devil's advocate? Yes, that's yes. the phrase. I, I was like, the Satan's friend, uh, Lucifer's <laughs> Lucifer's lawyer, play, Be- just playing... Be- yeah. Beelzebub's aubergine. Yeah, just being Beelzebub's aubergine briefly. Uh, I can kind of see the argument for it, just that if you were looking at it from a tactical point of view, if... if you know, one of the things I think a lot of people feel is it'd be nice if we had some sort of tactical identity or mm. a formation that we were wedded to in some capacity. And a lot of the ones that people like are single striker ones, you know, and there is an argument to redistribute some of that resource, I think. Yeah, no, I I mean, I completely get it. And my feeling on it is that it would be the most Arsenal thing in the world if we said, right, Lacazette's going and somebody's offered £70 million for him, let's take it, let's reinvest and let's go with Aubameyang as our main striker and on the first day of the new season Aubameyang ruptures his you know, everything. Of course. And we're there going, ooh, you know what would be handy now? Lacazette. And we've spent Twenty million bringing Yaya Sonogo back to the club. Yeah, he's or, dying every game or something like that. You know, that's that's kind of where I think you know it's all well and good saying we should just play with one striker, but you can't go through an entire season with just one striker. That's not possible. Um, yeah. So you know, there is the argument, of course, that maybe what Lacazette gives us is is more easily replaceable than what Aubameyang gives us in terms of pure finishing and goal scoring numbers but I do think that this is a sort of a, a red herring for the most part um, you know with so much else to do it's really important to keep some of the things about this team and this squad that are that are good and um, selling either of those two is is uh, is not part of it from my point of view anyway. And, and just when we talk about the, the desire and the appetite for renewal, I absolutely agree with you there. I think we could all, you know, we could all just go in and raise it to the ground and keep... Um, keep you know a handful of core players and rebuild all around them and we could all say yes these guys are the future the rest of these guys have underperformed they've been part of our our stagnation they've been part of our our degradation if you like in terms of the way our 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 league um uh, form, I guess, but you know where we are in the league. You know, from a top two team to a top four team, and now we're in a we're a top six team. You know, there's a trajectory there, and that these guys have played a part in in enabling that to happen, rather than the curve going back up the other way. But we also don't we have to be completely realistic about how much you can do in one summer. So regardless of how much appetite there is to burn it all down and start again, it's just simply not possible from a financial point of view, a tactical point of view, a logistical point of view. I mean, how can you? We've already lost four first-team players. You're looking at this squad and thinking, well, we could lose another three or four at least. 
um, through sales or departures or whatever it is, you know, that's a hell of a lot already. And people would say we could we could ship out another four or five on top of that as well. So um, there has to be a limit as to what we can do simply because in order to make something that's approaching a cohesive team and squad next season, you, you have to keep you have to keep some people there. No, you're absolutely right, and I think every summer we are sort of overly ambitious in terms of the scope of what the scope of the restructure we think is possible. Uh, and you know, the people higher up the club we hope will be slightly more sensible sometimes than we are in our predictions. But yeah, it, it, there's also just not that long to do stuff now. I mean, what is it? Where are we now? Tenth of June. We're nearly mm-hmm. in the middle of June, and the transfer deadline will fall. Uh, I think it's. August the 8th, 2019. Right. So it's less than two months now. Uh, Pre-season training starts in three weeks. American Start tour, of July, of American tour. Yeah, the guys will be going off to America. You know, for the, the first game over there, I think, is the 15th. They're playing in Denver. So, you know, in an ideal world, you want... You want some of your new players to to be part of that tour and part of that experience to to get to know and settle in and bond with the rest of the players and all that kind of stuff. So we've got like three weeks before preseason starts, and so far, not a lot has happened. In- well, some people have, have, have officially left. Yes, Did that, uh, I'm sure that. Uh, in fact, I saw you write in your blog that that brought back some some feelings for you seeing that uh, list of released players mm, yeah well I mean look we we if you're looking at it from a positive point of view let's look at it from a really positive point of view we have taken off what maybe check on a hundred grand Ramsey on a hundred grand uh, Welbeck similar for Welbeck similar yeah. I would say and Licksteiner came in I think probably something like 60, 60 grand a season something like that. so maybe 360 grand a week has come off the wage bill so there you go that's a positive but we've also lost a very good central midfield player a very versatile um forward player Czech of course is retiring Licksteiner um, didn't work out as a signing so that's not a that's not a huge miss but of course you, you look at those players leaving for free and um, it, it does make you crazy it makes me mm-hmm. crazy anyway when I think about it um, even if I can so, sort of say last summer you know if they pulled the trigger on Ramsey and and Welbeck it would have made an already difficult job for Unai Emery even more so because you know he's coming in he's losing two very experienced players uh, and who knows how he would have replaced them but you know you can't you just can't look at those situations and excuse it in any way you can't leave that much money on the table in the transfer market when you're a club like Arsenal no, I mean, we could desperately do with it now. I mean, the the only other positive, I suppose, one player we missed off that list, I don't know if he was included, but Denis Suarez, obviously, has returned to Barcelona. So there's we whatever we were paying him a week, we've got back two. But looking at the first-team squad page on Arsenal.com, mm. at the moment, Licksteiner, Ramsey, Suarez, Welbeck, Czech, they're all still listed. Uh, yeah. And if they weren't, it would start to look pretty sparse I mean I know there are young players to come back from loans and be promoted to the first team but yeah I mean the, the amount of names on that list of players released I think just shows you how much we need coming in this summer yeah a, a bare minimum really yeah absolutely and then you look at that first team squad and and uh, who who aren't there question marks over um, 
question mark over Monreal, even though it looks as though he's going to stay because we must have taken up the option on his contract because he wasn't yeah. part of that release list. But, you know, there are question marks over Monreal because he is um, 33 uh, years of age and his legs look like um, th- those of a 33-year-old. Um, Koscielny, talk about him wanting to leave. Mustafi, mm. one of those in the Musco territory. Jenkinson, I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that because of everything else that's going on, Carl Jenkinson could stay. <laughs> you know, and, and that's quite extraordinary, isn't it? It is. Mavropanos, question marks uh, over his readiness, his his um, his maturity, whether he needs to go on loan. Um, so, question mark. Kalasinac, question mark over him because you know he's he's one of the players again who's a saleable asset isn't he um uh talk of barcelona but you know apparently not but uh, it, it feels like we might be willing to uh to take a deal if one were offered uh because you know we got him for free if we get 15 20 million pounds for him it's it's profit uh, i know we take his wages and signing on fee and all that into account then you go to midfield elneny question mark because big question, mark. big question mark because he's not used by Emery and you know um, and also he's cut his hair and maybe that was the source of his powers yeah exactly uh, I shudder to think uh, Mkhitaryan I don't really think there's any question mark over him I think he'll stay uh, Ramsey gone Ozil question mark um, Lucas Torreira Maitland Niles no questions there Genduzi no questions there uh, even though Genduzi is going to be at the European Under 21 Championship so he might be you know late back to preseason Shaka. Again, I think he'll stay, but potentially a question mark. The two strikers, I mean, there's question marks because people keep talking about them. I, I, I can't see how we would sell when there's so many other things. It will be, no question, he's staying. Welbeck, um, he's, gone. he's gone. And then you've got lone players, Ospina, come on, let's let's get that done and dusted, get it over with, please. Emmy Martinez, probably our number two. Callum Chambers, you know, at what point do you say, well, we just can't afford to let any more players go? I think he'll be involved next season, as we talked about last week. And Takuma Asano, please just, you know, uh, sell, 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 get what we can and, and get the guy off the books. It's not, you know, what's the point? What is the point? So you're looking at a squad where <laughs> there are huge gaps and question marks over about 70% of the players in it. It's mental. It is absolutely crazy that I mean the only players who are sort of exempt are the two strikers uh, signings we made last summer so that's Leno Socrates Torreira Ganduzi, and then it's the homegrown players people like Bellerin Holding, Holding Iwobi Maitland-Niles and mm. that, that is it they mm. are the only ones over whom there's really no question this summer uh, you know, I know you said Mkhitaryan, no question, but I mean, I don't think that should be the case necessarily. I think in a maybe in an ideal world, there would be a bit Oh, of sure. Question. Yeah, look, no, if somebody came in and gave us a deal, but, I, you know, again, it comes back to how much can you actively do in yeah. one summer? And um, where do you prioritise the, the departures? Because I think you, you have to prioritise uh, the, the departures. Um, so it is, it's nuts. It's nuts. But. But, okay, is, come on. Uh, well, I was going to say, that, no, there is a there is a, a lengthening list of people 
uh, links with coming into the club uh, on mm. the other side of the coin. And I just wondered, uh, are there any rumours out there that you feel have some weight or substance to them? It feels a bit like the Carrasco thing does. There's mm. a lot of talk about it, even though um, he he was very much a Mislintat signing or a Mislintat target. Uh, last January... Mislintat was sort of on the Carrasco case and then that fell by the wayside and I'm not sure um, how much, if anything, he had to do with the Perisic chase. Um, and then, of course, we know that <laughs> the Barcelona connection and the Unai Emery connection got us Dennis Suarez. So that's that's a bit of a worry. I mean, let me ask you, if you had to choose, let's say, between Carrasco and Fraser, who would you choose? Because that seems well, to be... That yeah. seems to me to be a bit of an either-or. I agree. I think it almost certainly is. Um, I think I would choose Carrasco uh, on balance, and I'm trying. I'm trying to make sure I'm not doing that classic fan thing of just sort of going for the slightly more exotic option. But I do think he's got a bit more pedigree. Uh, his past with Atletico Madrid suggests as much. So yeah, I think on balance, I would go for him. What about you? Yeah, I would too. I would too. Um, I just think he's got a higher ceiling than than Fraser. Uh, you know, you can you can question both of them really, can't you? Because Fraser's had yeah. one good season. Um, he could be the Michael Ricketts of wide players. Who knows? Mm. He's had one good season. Carrasco, of course, has gone to China at a stage in his career where you don't normally associate top level players going there. Even though I think there was something a bit weird, wasn't there? Because there was two of them sent from Atletico Madrid to China, and yeah. the owners of Atletico Madrid were somehow involved in the deal or the club that they went to. So I do wonder if there was an element of, look, you know, do us a solid here. You'll get paid a massive amount of money for for a year or eighteen months, and then we can we can see where we are. And I think that's where we are with, with Carrasco. He seems very keen to come back to Europe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's one of those where you can sort of question his motivation. I think it it feels like he made a, a financial choice, but mm. he, he does seem very keen to come back to Europe. And I think, uh, you know, Alex Witzel is someone who's been cited as an example of someone who went to China, has come back to Europe and had a major impact. I don't, you know, it's not a case that he's a guy whose career's sort of gone off the rails. He's still, what, 24, 25, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, there's an interesting one as well. The uh, the Sampdoria pair. Uh, yeah, uh, is it Joachim Anderson and Dennis right. Pratt? Um, I mean, potentially. I saw a thing the other day, uh, a story where it said Arsenal absolutely deny they made uh, a 42 million pound bid for these players, and. Weirdly, the story seemed to intimate that it was absolute nonsense, but they're very unhappy with Sampdoria for um, making negotiations public or something like that. So <laughs> are, are we interested or not? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if we were interested in pretty much all of the players that we're being linked with because mm. simply of the, the volume of stuff we have to get done. It doesn't mean that we're going to sign all of them. We're going to have to make decisions, but it feels like our our, our targets are being put out there. Um because we're, we've just got so many. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, it wouldn't surprise me if we were interested in all the players at Sampdoria, because obviously <laughs> we went and got Torreira from there a year ago. And I, I feel like they're, they're, that one does feel like it has 
legs. Maybe it's just the profile of players sort of fit some obvious holes in the squad. You know, a centre half and a, a central midfielder. Um, yeah. But also, also, I'm all, I always think when we've dealt with a club before, you know, it's a little bit like the is it Claude Maurice, the guy at yeah, Lorient. Lorient. Mm. Yeah, I always feel that you know if there's a bit of a relationship there, we know that that's how Raoul likes to work. The relationships, the people he knows. I always feel like that one, you know, might have a little bit more substance to it. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Anderson, twenty-three-year-old uh, central defender. He's about six foot three, six foot four. I mean, he would fit the bill in terms of a defensive signing who could realistically come in and play because I think that's what we need. We need central defenders who can come in and play. And, and while the, the idea of signing that young French kid at 18 is, is quite exciting, how, how ready is an 18-year-old centre-half? They're usually not that ready. And we kind of have one uh, in Mavropanos, don't we? You know, potentially uh, a, a good player, but someone who's not quite ready at, at whatever age he is. How old is Mavropanos? 21, something like that? Yeah, um, possibly. What else is out there in terms of transfer? He's 21, so I'll be 22 in December. So, yeah. Anderson seems like a more interesting central defensive target to me than any of the others we've been linked with. Although there was the... Who's the guy at Leipzig that we've been linked oh, to? Oh, there's two at Leipzig who are promising. Uh, is it Upa Meccano? Yeah, that's the guy. Um, and his defensive partner whose name I've forgotten, is also a really outstanding prospect and a French international. They're both uh, young French centre-halves, about 20, and they both look fantastic from the little things I've seen. But they seem like they would be... Uh, Ibrahima Kanate is the the other guy that I was trying to think of. But they, they seem like they would be too expensive for us, don't they? I mean, that would just be my... My instinct, I feel like they're sort of fifty million pound players in this current market. Mm, maybe so, maybe so. But uh, you know, as your friend Honigstein is saying on ESPN that we're interested in signing him. Whether whether our interest goes any further than that in terms of a bid remains to be seen. But it, it feels like the defenders that we're targeting are going to be young players with with potential. Um, yeah. They have to. They have to be. I think when you look at the age profile of the defenders we've got, people like Monreal, Koscielny, Socrates, even to an extent, we we have to renew that, don't we? We have to bring in. <laughs> did, you what? See, did you see the Socrates Instagram picture? Oh, I don't know if I did. Um, you uh, need to go to his Instagram. It's basically uh, it was his birthday over the weekend. And he he posted a picture on Instagram of oh thank you very much indeed for all the birthday wishes and it's that classic <laughs> that classic Socrates happy face um, yeah it's great it's great it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it it delivers exactly what you would want from he's that sitting picture. there uh, with a like a beige curtain behind him and one candle on what appears to be a kind of very glossy cake. And it's that sort of like, I'm making my happy face now. Take the picture now. Take it's a the very picture. brief window in which you can get that picture, yeah. <laughs> but it does, it, it does make me think, though, if we are targeting these young central defenders, that Koscielny might well be held on to. Yeah. Because... I mean, so he's 31 now, Socrates, as of yesterday, you're yeah. right. But, um, yeah, I, I, when we were going through that list of... You know, there's doubts over him, there's doubts over him. I was thinking, surely with Koscielny, we've just got to sort of put our foot down and say, listen, mate, we need you to stay for a year. I, because 
I, he's still our best central defender, I think. And I'm yeah. not quite sure we can afford to let him go. Even if I don't think we can afford to play him as regularly as we did in the second half of this season no. either. Don't get me wrong. No, but if you're bringing in maybe one, or let's say you're bringing in one young defender, whether it's Anderson or Saliba or um, Upamecano or whoever it might be, um, then you have to put some experience around them. And you can't just rely on one guy, which would be Socrates, to be to be the anchor in that midfield. I know we've got holding, but I think in terms of training ground um, influence, we, we underestimate how important it is or how uh, beneficial it is for young players to have uh, to have experienced players uh, around them to give them to give them uh, you know advice. And particularly if if we're going to bring in one and maybe keep Mavropanos and use the Europa League as a, a way of of giving him game time which would be one way of doing it if you're not going to loan him, mm. um, which, you know, I, I think would probably would probably be the way I'd start the season with Mavropanos. I'd keep right. him. Really? Yeah. I would keep him and I would play him alongside all the other young players that I can get together and I'd put him in the Europa League team and I'd put him in the, the League Cup team and if it's not working or if he hasn't um, progressed sufficiently by January, I'd consider loaning him out. Um, and maybe he needs to drop down a level to, you know, to develop. But i keep him, I think. Mm, would you? Or I'm, what would you do? I've always said I think he needs game time and I think alone's right from I mm. think I would stick with that if we if I felt we had the squad to rotate uh and you know be able to give the first team players a rest in the Europa League group stages I think I would on balance send him out for the year and just give him as much game time as possible only if I felt he was going to play there's no point in going to another Premier League team where for some reason he's not first choice and he sits on the bench for a season I mean that's a waste of everybody's time but if there's a move where he can go somewhere and play week in, week out, I kind of feel that's what will accelerate his development the most. But I do think with a lot of these young players, there's a strong case to keep them for the first half of the season, a bit like Emil Smith-Rowe, yeah. theoretically, uh, and then loan them out once the Europa League group stage is kind of done and dusted and there's and potentially we're you know out of the League Cup by then yeah. as well. So I mean, the thing about it is, is if Mavropanos comes in and plays well in the Europa League, and starts to feel confident and, and more of a first-team player, then you also have another option for Premier League. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it gives you a bit more depth in the squad. Um, so that's why I'd be inclined to to keep him and also keep uh, quite a lot of the young players around. I mean, an, int an interesting one before we come back to transfers is Joe Willock. Um, I don't know how much attention you were paying, England are in the Toulon tournament and the mm. England under-20s. It hasn't gone particularly well for them. I think they've lost both their games, one against Chile and one against Portugal, maybe. I'm not sure, but Eddie Nketiah has scored in the first game and Joe Willock yeah. has scored in both the games. And he scored, I think they're kind of scrappy in-the-box goals. And he interests me a great deal, Joe Willock. Yeah. As a player, I think there's something really interesting about him and the qualities that he has and the ability to be in the right place at the right time 
in the penalty area because if you think about the two goals that he scored against was it Blackpool? Yes. It was Blackpool in the FA Cup. You know um, it was him being in the right place at the right time in the box and that's something you can try and coach players and some players you can coach them to be better but if somebody has like a natural ability to be there this sort of preternatural awareness of where the ball is going to be that's a really valuable thing um so i'm i'm really curious to see what we do with joe willock again another player who i think we should give minutes to in the Europa League and give him some responsibility in those games and in the team selections that we make uh, and see how he see how he goes there's something about him i i i agree i've i've long thought that i think that he has uh, like Emil Smith Rowe, he's someone who, when he stepped up to the first team, he has actually managed to produce end product, which mm. it takes players a long time to do in some instances. Uh, and that ability to arrive in the box at the right time, to be in the right place at the right time, is something that we're losing with mm. Aaron Ramsey going this summer. So I think that makes someone like Willock all the more valuable. I think Uno Emery likes him as well. I think you know we, we can read lots of different things into the fact that he got brought on in that Europa League final. But when you look at the fact he also started against Burnley on the final day, it does feel like of the crop of young players at the club, he's one who's at the forefront of the manager's thinking. Mm. The only thing I think about Willock is that, you know, sometimes he's talked of as maybe, you know, he can just step into kind of the Elneny gap into midfield. But I think I think he is someone who's actually more effective in more advanced areas, uh, you know, playing sort of off the striker almost as he has for the under-23s for, for much of the season and, and playing in and around the, the penalty box. Mm. So I think he does something slightly different, really. I think he's more of a, a number 10 than a number 8. But yes, I... Yeah, but I, I do really like him and I, I'd like to see him around the squad because I think physically as well, he's he's a decent size, he's strong on the ball. Uh, look, we don't want to go overboard about a young player, but there's definitely something of interest there with him. Mm. Left back, um, we, mm. we're we apparently odds on to sign Kieran Tierney <laughs> from, yes. from Celtic. The thing about this is, is that it's just based on bookies prices rather than uh, somebody having inside information as to uh, how close a deal is uh, but he's a well, player I mean, we've we've yeah. been after or we've certainly been keeping our eye on for a couple of years now yeah I think this week or last week at the weekend there was a big swing in the betting odds wasn't there which suggests a lot of money suddenly went on Tierney to to move to Arsenal and mm. influence the odds I mean, it would be a signing that I would really like. I don't know why. There's just something about his pedigree, the fact that he's come through at Celtic and, you know, the fact that he's, to be honest, can keep Andrew Robertson at times out of the Scotland team is quite a promising thing mm. too. They're sort of considered almost level pegging in that race for an international place. Um, yeah, I, I've got a good feeling about Kieran Tierney as a player and I would love to see him come to Arsenal but uh, who knows I think that is slightly contingent on what happens on Kolasinac if we've given Monreal that new deal I kind of find it hard to see us having three left backs next season no well no that would be that would be too many Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) and I hope you know I do hope the left back is a priority uh, this this summer it feels like it should be but of course, we we have to wait and see what what Arsenal are going to do. Um, any other 
transfer rumours or stories that have caught your eye over the weekend? I'm just trying to think now. Um, not particularly. I think we've been through the main ones. And I suspect we should leave some for the questions, if there are any that we haven't covered. Uh, got to give ourselves somewhere to go, Andrew. Yes, Yes, that is very true. There was something I was going to talk about, but I can't quite remember what this story was. Let me just see if I can figure it out again. Uh, no, um, other people, Claude Maurice, Saliba, um, Chalov from Seska, uh, apparently yeah. linked. Uh, Nkunku again. Um, and you know we're in very silly season when people were linking us to uh, Buffon, which of course is absurd. Mm. Um, that is a bit crazy. So, will we take a short break and... Hopefully something will have happened but in the short break. In Hopefully the very, Arsenal announce a signing in the next five minutes. In basically. the very short break. OK, before we do that, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Jerome Breckard, uh, his wife Joe, his kids. Their names are Remy and Maddox. Um, thank you for being uh, an Arsecast Extra and an Arsecast listener, and we're both thinking of you uh, at this time. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back after this. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog. Also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. Ivan Ho, I'm pretty sure that's his real name, says, will you forget this week's Facebook questions? Tune in to find out. Hashtag ignored community. No, we don't ignore. We just forget sometimes. There's a lot going on. Um, you can also send in your questions on Discord. If you're an Arsblog member on Patreon, you get access to the Arsblog Patreon Discord server, and you can send questions through there. If you want to sign up, you can do that. Patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. And from Discord, I'm going to start today, James. Uh, mm. Just two seconds ago, I said to you, it's actually quite difficult to bookmark the questions on Discord because um, it's harder to find them, and I've just lost the question I was going to ask. Um, there, you go. there you go. This is really very the irritating. Has proven to be in the pudding. And I thought it was quite a good... Oh, here it is. I got it. It comes from Digital Digs. And he says, is it realistic that we can find a backup to Bellerin 
that's better than Ainsley Maitland Niles for a price we're willing to pay. Is the price mitigated by a willingness to play Ainsley Maitland Niles elsewhere? It's a good question. Uh, I yeah, is the price mitigated? So I I don't know if it is possible. Mm. I don't know if it is possible to to get a cost effective backup for Bellerin. I mean, certainly the talk of Thomas Murnier, who's a player we didn't touch off on in part one. I am finding somewhat bizarre at that price. You know, for 30 million euros for a player who probably wouldn't be first choice once Bellerin came back mm. doesn't make a great deal of sense to me. Um, I mean, you mentioned in part one you think there's a chance Carl Jenkinson will st- still be here next season. Is that I mean, it to do with Bellerin's injury? It, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if we are targeting Mounier, then, um, you know, like you, I I find it a little bit strange. I mean, we talk about a player, you know, if Arsenal only have a budget of £40 million and we're going to make a €25 million signing on a right-back, you know, we don't just give them £25 million and then we've only got £15 to play with. That's not how it works. You know, there's instalments and all that kind of stuff. So um, it it wouldn't make that much of a dent into our, our transfer budget or not as much as people might think so there's a way of obviously doing that deal I guess it depends what way they view Maitland-Niles his long term future is it at right back or is it at right wing back you know I think he's tried hard um, at right back but I also think over the course of the season we have probably seen that it's really not his position you know, if you look at the Europa League final, I don't want to be harsh on the guy. He's a young kid um, and he did his best in a position where, um, you know, it's it's a difficult, it's a very specialised position, fullback. And he did his best and it was sometimes good and it was sometimes not good. But I think overall on the evidence, you would say, you know, he probably shouldn't play there mm. for me. You know, so if that's the case, then you have to do something because you don't have Bellerin for the start of the season. So you got to do something. Um, so I can see some logic in that, but it, it does become a difficult question because when Bellerin is fit, you want him in the team because he's going to be your first choice right back. And then what happens to your 25 million euro signing? That's that's the difficulty. It's like, what are you what are you signing for? Are you signing for the the future, or are you signing for a very short period of time? It's tough. yeah. I mean, Quiet Coyote on Twitter said, "Do you think Mernier is being considered as a centre back?" I mean, I but I, why? I, I don't know. I mean, he's not played a vast amount because he's six foot three. Yeah, I, mean, I know. He's, yeah, well, I, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think he's not played a lot of football at centre back. He's played right back and. And right wing back, it would be an odd sign though. He's sort of twenty eight, not cheap. I, I would be really surprised if we did that. I'm not quite as convinced that Maitland Niles is going to end up as a sort of central midfield player as some people are. I don't think so either. But I, 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 I think the the evidence that we've got from his performances as a right back slash right wing back tells us that we're we're taking a bit of a gamble. Yeah. You know, if 
if we were to play him there. I mean, I you know, he can do a job. He can do a job. But I, I just feel like there are too many mistakes in him defensively, yeah, you know? And I, I don't want to be harsh or anything like that on him because I, I feel for him uh, and he's, he's, uh, he does his best. But, I, you know, if, if, if it's the short-term solution until Bellerin gets fit and then he's back up, then maybe we can, we can live with that. But um, it's, it's yeah. how soon Bellerin's going to be fit. And again, it's that question of how much can we do in a single summer. You know, it, mm. it is tricky. I mean, we need some measure of cover for Maitland-Niles. You're right, in the early period of the season. If it, even if it is Maitland-Niles, we need someone who can fill in there. Uh, none of us want it to be Mustafi. So, mm. wow, maybe it will be Jenkins. Um, mm. This question's from Liney on Discord. And Liney says, I would like to put the Europa League this coming season right into the rubbish bin then I'd like to put on some old slippers I don't wear much anymore so I can really squash the Europa League down deep into said bin and then I'd like to take the bins out and then wheel my bin all the way to the moon and then blow up the moon do you agree? (laughs) well I think if we blew up the moon it would have fairly (laughs) catastrophic consequences for for the world for the earth you know, what, sure. with, what with the gravity and the tides and uh, werewolves and all that shit, you know, the important stuff. But I do, I do get the, I do get the, the, the overall feeling about the Europa League and our continued participation in it and our, our further establishing ourselves as a Europa League team, a Europa League club, because this is, this is our third year in it. That is who we are now. And that's not who anyone wants us to be. So um, an aversion to the Europa League is completely and utterly understandable. But as I said on the podcast on Friday, the one shining light in the distance, in the darkness, um, sticking out of the very top of the bin is the fact that we can approach the Europa League in an interesting way next season, in that Mm. we can play young players and really give them a chance and not quite sink or swim but see what they're made of and to me that would be interesting it would be interesting in a remember how like the 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 capital one cup or the coca-cola cup or the league cup teams used to be so interesting under wenger when we play all the kids for the most part we play really young teams and a few of those players would be very exciting and a few of them, you know, uh, made progress and developed. In the same way, I think uh, that opportunity is there for us in, in the Europa League this season. I, you know, don't play senior players. Like, nobody cares. Nobody cares about the group stages of the Europa League. Um, I don't need to see the main men drag us through 2-0 or 3-0, whatever it might be. There's no real benefit to us as a football club that's in the process of a rebuild by sending out a team that's far superior to whoever the hell it is. You know, FC Gushronk of, you know, the Democratic Republic of Krong. You know, we, we don't we don't learn anything about our players, we don't learn anything about our manager, we don't learn anything about our team, we don't learn anything. We win the game and that's fine and you know, but it's expected. 
So do the unexpected. Play the young players. Let's see what Emery can get out of uh, these talented, exciting young talents. Let's see what he can get. Let's see if, if we can actually take more than a routine win from these games and performances because we will get information we'll get we'll get to see young players either live up to their promise or potential or not and that way then we can make decisions about those young players whereas at the moment we're all up in the air about like well why why isn't this guy getting a chance why you know Zek Medley why isn't he being given a chance well give him a chance next year and see what he's like Saka, Amici, Willock, Smith-Rowe, Nelson, uh, whoever the young defenders, the other young defenders and midfielders we have coming through at this club. Throw them all in, see what the fuck happens, and if we go out of the Europa League in the group stages... Then you blow up the moon. Then you blow up the moon. But, you know, then you also maybe have a, a team that's better able to cope with the second half of the season from a Premier League point of view. Because you're not doing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. I know it cuts off one avenue to to Champions League football. But as I said to you, I think a couple of weeks ago, I'd rather see a team that progresses in the Premier League than fall short again in the Europa League right at the death. Yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree with that. And I think that even with a, a very youthful team, we should have enough to get out of the group stage. Hopefully a good draw will help in that respect as mm. well. Here's a question from Fred on Twitter, who's at... RLF86 and he says um, this is slightly similar uh, or along the same lines which young player do you think will have the biggest impact for us next season which young player Um, I think Reese Nelson yeah yeah I I think Reese Nelson I think he's going to come back and I think he's going to be involved and I think he'll score a couple of goals and be yeah I I think he'll make an impression what about you is that because you feel he's the most ready because he's had the season out on loan and he's coming back with you know he he signed a new deal didn't he before he went to Hoffenheim he signed a new contract so there was a show of faith in him for the club so he's coming back to to sort of stake his claim really I think so and I know it's only been fleeting glimpses of him in the first team but don't, don't forget the season before he went to Hoffenheim he he got a fair amount of football, albeit playing as a wing-back in the Europa League. Uh, I just feel like he's ready to take the step. And in some ways, mm. I think he kind of needs to come back to do that. And I think Arsenal will give him a platform to succeed on. And we know how much ability he's got. You know, we've seen that in, in glimpses in pre-season. We know how talented he is. I think he's been impressive on occasions for the England under-21s this season. Yeah, I think Reese Nelson... Uh, will be part of the squad next season and will, you know... I'm not saying he's going to be a starting player for the first team every single week, mm. but I think he'll he'll have an impact. Yeah. He yeah he strikes me as the one who's most ready to, to fill a gap in the squad that really needs to be filled as well because he's an exciting wide forward. He's tricky. He's quick. Uh, he can score goals. He can arrive late in the box. He can create. You know, so if we're looking for somebody either from the right or the left-hand side of a striker, I would imagine... Um, then, yeah, he, he looks the part, or he looks certainly readiest. So I would have the highest hopes for him. But I, again, coming back to coming back to Joe Willock, I've got a feeling about Willock. So, mm. um, yeah, we'll, 
we'll see where we go with that. And maybe somebody will come up and surprise us. That's the great thing. Somebody who you don't necessarily think is going to be the one to make a big impact could well make themselves um, part of the first team. Yeah, very true. Uh, this question is from Flanny Balls on Twitter, and Flanny Balls says, letting Jack Wilshire go was the right thing to do. Letting Santi Cazorla go was the right thing to do. But have we been left behind by not replacing those two players with similarly technical midfield players who can pick the ball up from defenders and carry it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could easily see how a player like that would make a difference to this squad in midfield, no? Um, but I think probably what we... I mean, is a little bit different from Wilshire. Cazorla was a brilliant passer of the ball, creative, he could wiggle his way out of tight situations and he could spray the ball left and right because he was so amazingly two-footed. Where I mm. think perhaps we have... Um, missed out uh, and he mentions carrying the ball are players who can get between the lines who can carry the ball beyond um, their opposite numbers in midfield Wilshire at his best had that little burst didn't he where he could go past players and he could he could bring the ball into dangerous areas and all of a sudden you got the opposition turned around rather than sitting looking at you and being able to to you know hold you off from a defensive point of view um, you, you've got them turned around. Thomas Rosicki, another player who liked to make those bursts um, from midfield towards um, the opposition uh, final third. So I do think, yeah, we have missed that kind of a player. Whether it, whether or not that's on our our priority list, I'm I'm not sure. And they're not always easy to find. But I, you know, I would like I'd like to see us as a team be a bit more open to taking risks on the ball because I, I feel like over the course of this season and certainly over the course of Wenger's last season season and a half we became very risk averse like conservative in the way that we played the, the passing was too slow players standing around looking for the easy ball rather than moving into difficult situations players not willing to take the risk of passing the ball forward when all you could you know okay I better not pass it forward let's do the fucking let's do the famous Arsenal horseshoe again so we go from left to right back into midfield from right to left back into midfield and you're just making centre circles or semi-circles the whole time going from one side of the pitch to the other without any real penetration and I, you know, I know it's something that drove people a bit mad about Aaron Ramsey in that he would try flicks and tricks. But fuck, when there's nobody else trying to get the ball forward, what else are you supposed to do? So I would like to see some players who are brave enough and technical enough to have a go at the opposition and to 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 make us less predictable because we're very easy to play against. Once you sort of suss us out and you are we playing in a back three? Okay, cut off the supply to the wing backs. Are we playing in a back four with you know one up front? Cut off the supply to the wide players or to Ozil, uh, you know, and we become very easy to play against. So there's there's no unpredictability about Arsenal and the way that we play the game. And I think that's something we have to introduce this season, whether it's a player who runs with the ball, whether it's a player who runs into space, whether it's somebody, you know, who can find passes from deep, whatever it is, find something different that people don't expect from this Arsenal team. Because otherwise, it's just simple. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And a, a big part of that is 
dribbling for me. That's what mm. gives your team unpredictability and you know the the ability to break a game essentially. And we've lost many of our dribblers. We've lost you know Oxlade Chamberlain, Alexis Sanchez, Kazola uh, and Wilsh. And I think we back into the squad, not just in central midfield, but in wide areas too. Mm. Um, I, I think that's something that we really need. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see that in the middle of the park. You know, it was such a great quality of Patrick Vieira. You know, we think of him as this big tackling, striding guy, but it was that stride that enabled him to break away from his opposition and find those gaps, find those spaces in the midfield and drive into them. And yeah. we don't really have that at present. No. Um, so yeah, look, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? But uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, is there any? I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe that is something that someone like a, a Maitland Niles could potentially offer in central midfield. You know, as as much as I'm sort of unconvinced about his the, the mental aspects of the game, you know, necessarily having the concentration levels to thrive there, he does at least have that athletic and technical component to do those things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have slight worries about Maitland-Niles from a technical point of view in terms of his first touch. I think it's right. just a little bit too heavy for central midfield, um, particularly if you're looking for a player to to thrive in tight areas. I'm not I'm not sure I've seen enough from him to suggest that he could be that guy. But mm. somebody, you know, they're they're after a box to box midfielder. That's what. Um, David Ornstein has said that they're after a box-to-box midfielder. Whether that's somebody who can just run from one penalty area to the other, I'm not 100% sure. You'd like to think that one of the qualities that they associate with a box-to-box midfielder is someone who can also carry the ball um, forward and, and, and make those runs and you know maybe get back and, and, and do some defensive work. So, yeah, certainly if we can add a player who's got that kind of technical ability in midfield and also add one or two players like that in the wide areas, players who really want the ball. They want mm. the ball and they want to do something with it rather than they want the ball to lay it off to somebody else. You know, there's too many of those players in the team. Too many of those. Um, and they're just too easy to play against. Yeah. So so there you I go. I concur with that. Okay. Um, I think it's fine. I'll, I'll just, just quickly, this is a quick sort of, I'll ask it and then I'll answer it. Gavin Scott on Facebook said, after the Tuberakpom question last week, when is J. Emmanuel Thomas coming back? We all know this is the reason the team is failing. I only bring this one up because I was... I, I, you know, sometimes when you get on sort of a, a Google trawl and you find yourself wandering down memory lane, well, just last night I was looking into what became of J. Emmanuel Thomas. Uh, and I think in January of this year, he signed for a team in Thailand. Wow. Uh, yeah, so he... I don't know if he's still got under contract with them, but that's certainly where he was last playing his football. Wow. Oh, and he's still only 28, mm. J. Emmanuel Thomas. The, I mean, Wenger used to talk so highly of of him. It is, it's sort of an interesting uh, point, isn't it, when we're talking about all these young players and what they might go on to achieve. It, it's sort of a, a sobering reminder that talent doesn't always equate to success in this game. That's very true. Okay, here is a question from the Discord. It comes from NC Gooner. And he says, I'm seeing the match on July 20th in the US. Uh, That's in Charlotte, which I think is against Roma. I think. 
Uh, and I want one of the new Adidas kits. We saw some Disclaimer. more. Yes. Yeah, we saw some of the uh, some more pictures emerge over the weekend of the new kits, and man, they're nice. They mm. are nice. Um, and Puma, pff, man, what a fuck. Uh, they really haven't done a good job. Um, anyway, he says, what name should I get on the back? Looking for someone who will still be with the team, is worth putting on a jersey, and is a name I won't be ashamed of in five years. My previous two home kits were Fabregas and Sanchez. Ah, <laughs> oh, wow. Um, what would I suggest? I mean, Hector is the one that springs to mind for me. That's a great shout. That is a great shout. Yeah, I was going to say Rob Holding. Yeah, that'd Uh, be a good one. I think Rob Holding feels like he's going to be an Arsenal player for a long time to come uh, and seems like a very decent man. But I think the same applies to Bellerin. And uh, yeah, I I can't argue with Bellerin as a choice. I think he... uh, Yeah, I think he's... Do you think it's weird because with Bellerin a couple of years ago, it felt like every summer there was a bit of a tug of war with potentially Man City lurking mm. and Barcelona too. Do you feel like that's kind of consigned to the past slightly? Do you feel like he's here for the long term now? Um, I think next season when we make him captain, yeah, he will be. He'll <laughs> be gone the following summer. No, I, I, I think, I think we've avoided perhaps some speculation this summer because of his injury. Right. I think if he played the rest of the season and if he played, you know, if he continued to play uh, as consistently as he did, I think he played pretty well in the first six months of the season. You know, he was at one point maybe our leading assist maker in the Premier League uh, because he fit very well into the system that, that Emery was using at that time. You know, it's not unreasonable to suggest that maybe Bellerin would have got another, what, let's say three assists in the Premier League. You know, it would have brought him to eight assists for the season. He might have grabbed a couple of goals. Um, I think then people start knocking on the door, particularly when you're a Europa League club and you've got a player who could easily fit into a Champions League club. So I think it's gone quiet because of the injury, but um, I wouldn't say it's it's gone quietly um, forever. And we're probably, I know he did sign a long-term contract a couple of years ago, didn't he? But we're probably approaching a point where they have to look at that again and protect yeah. the the future. Um, Maybe this would be a good time, uh, you know, while he's, while he's out. He's yeah. got plenty of time to negotiate. Um, yeah. yeah, he's definitely someone who I want to see in the long term. But you're right, the better he plays the more that those stories will come back, I guess. Yes. Um, I, I have one here, or... Yeah, I have one here, and you can ask the next one. This All right. this one comes from Jude Sebastian on Facebook, who says, you get a choice of only one German leaving the team this summer. Would you have Ozil go for a bit of a fee and his wages off the list? Or Ozil to remain oh, and continue and to burden us with his overpriced underperformance? I think we can leave that out, because, you know, it's not impossible that, you sure. know... Ozil could be say, better. I think we can leave that out because it kind of goes without saying. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, you're right. No, it, it, he could improve. He could do better. So I could mean, the other man that you're about to mention. Mustafi. Miracles do happen. No. <laughs> I mean, um, here it is. You know, lay it on the table. Mustafi stays, or Ozil goes, or Mustafi goes and Ozil stays. What are you doing? 
So my quandary is that... (laughs) (laughs) My quandary is that if Mustafi... the, The value of keeping Mustafi, as much as I don't like him and don't particularly rate him, is that he does at least provide cover in one and a half positions and he doesn't get injured that much. So... He's like a, a useful squad body, potentially. Also, the point of the value of keeping him is that he, he, you know, he doesn't use up as much salary as Ozil. Um, however, however, I think I would, I think I would keep Ozil. I think I would keep Ozil of those two, because, as you say, his performances could improve, or we might find a way to get slightly more from him than we're getting at the moment to be completely fair I'd like both of them to go mm. but oh, I'm not sure how realistic that is really you know it's just how long the list of departures gets it becomes uh, un- unsustainable almost yeah yeah who would you choose I think I know you would choose to keep hers wouldn't you of, the, of those two options I would yeah I would because you know we are going to play some home games against teams that he could play very well against um, True. Whereas I think I've just, you know, I've had enough of Mustafi. Just, I can't. He's too emblematic of our defensive issues for us not to make a change this summer. So, yeah, I would keep Ozil. But like you, I think for the benefit of the club, probably for the benefit of the player as well, I think it's it would be best if he were to leave. Um, Ozil, but uh, you know we can have this discussion week in week out about how it's easier said than done. It just is um, my feeling that it would be better for everyone if if we went uh, our separate ways this summer. But we'll we'll wait and see wait and see what happens once he gets back off his uh, off his honeymoon. Maybe there'll be some mm. some chats, but we'll see. We will see. So this question is from Lee Sadler, who's at Sadler112. And Lee asks, do you think the Ljungberg appointment cleverly adds a little pressure on Emery, having a potential caretaker or even replacement sitting next to him on the bench this season? Maybe, but I'm not sure. I was going to say I'm not sure that Emery needs pressure, but then he did make the the comment, didn't he, about how he's, Mm. he's been given time... By Arsenal, I mean, maybe the, what yeah. he, maybe what he was given an assurance of by Arsenal was, look, you'll have two seasons to make an impact. You know, we understand the difficulty of, you know, coming in during your first season. We'll give you a bit of leeway if things don't work out, and things didn't work out, and they didn't work out badly. I think it's bad. I've, I've said this before, but if you step back and look at it objectively, in the cold light of day, looking at it just from the numbers let's say we were one point off the top four and we lost in a final pathetically we lost pathetically in a final but we still got to a final so the margins were were really tight okay we almost did what he was asked to do which is get back into the Champions League so if we'd finished yeah 15 points off the top four and got knocked out of the Europa League in the quarterfinal or something. I think it would have been a slightly different scenario. Um, Does it add some pressure? Maybe. Maybe. Because I do feel like there's something going on with Freddie that they're positioning him 
for for something, something bigger. Yeah. Uh, that was going to be my question. Who do you think decided upon this switch? Like, who do we make responsible? That's a really for good these question. Changes. That is a really good question. Because there's no technical director mm. yet in place who you would sort of think might be the man responsible. Yeah, and also I, I guess if you're a head coach, yeah, you would want to say you would want to say in that. But do you? Th- it doesn't strike me as very likely that Unai Emery has turned around and said, "You know what? I want Freddie Yumberg on my coaching staff." next season it feels to me like that's a decision that has come from above Emery mm. probably Raul well, Sanyehi no you you almost hope it's come from above Emery yeah. because you know Freddie's someone we want associated with this club in the in the long term isn't isn't he you know we, mm. we want him to be in a secure position almost in spite of what happens with with Unai Emery um, yeah it feels like that it feels like a, a Sanyehi move uh, and uh, you know maybe one also with a view I think clearly with a view to potentially introducing some of those younger players to the first team squad in the immediate future yeah yeah so yeah that that's definitely a situation to keep an eye on um, Steve Ball going back to the the under 23s um, it, I mean it's a the Freddie thing makes sense if we're going to bring in a lot of the the players who are working with him at under 23 level next season because he has the best knowledge of those players um, and obviously Emery will know them but Freddie will know them inside out so it makes a it makes a lot of sense if that's what we're going to do and that's what our approach is going to be so mm. if it puts pressure on Emery good I'm alright with that I think everybody uh, everybody needs to feel pressure everybody players coaches all the staff need to feel more pressure at this football club and those that can cope with it great and those that can't off you go and we bring in somebody who can you know so yeah here's um, a question from Adrian Clark at AD Clark 85 what are your thoughts on who should be captain next season with Koscielny likely to leave surely the five captains thing was just for one season personally I'd like to see Hector or Holding being given the armband not, not the Adrian Clark. No, not the Adrian Clark. Of, no, a different uh, Adrian. <laughs> breakdown fame sounds uh, like a, a strange way to put that. Not sounds like Adrian a 1980s um, movie about terrible dancing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have said in the past that I am all aboard the Hector Bellerin bus for the captaincy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really see any reason to change on that position I think the only sort of disadvantage is that he's not going to be fit at the start of next season but you know we've said earlier in the podcast we think Koscielny should be kept around so I think it's safe to assume isn't it that he'll be the club captain if not the team captain at least for for next season if he is if he is here Mm, yeah yeah I think he will be I think he will be so he'll be the captain so it becomes I, I think I think Bellerin, a lot of people have talked about Xhaka, but I think if you make a guy captain, you're sort of shackling him to the club for a little while. Shackling. Shackling, shackling, Shaka, yeah. You're sort of saying, okay, we want you to lead 
this team. And, and I think probably in terms of in terms of attitude and in terms of character, you know, Xhaka ticks quite a lot of the boxes. You know, he 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 was one of the only players to come out after the Europa League final and and talk in any length or in any detail about the season. And he said, you know, it's not acceptable that it finished this way. There was a few little mixed messages, but basically his message was, we can't be satisfied with losing a final and finishing fifth. And as, you know, as much as we all want to say, yeah, we don't want to hear players talk when things are bad. At least he said it, and there were reports, weren't there, that you know the night of the Euro- Europa League final, he was dragging players out of the tunnel to go and applaud the away fans. Uh, he was mm-hmm. one of the only players who showed that that sort of level of responsibility, uh, you know, to the travelling fans, the ones who'd made that journey to Baku. Um, it's anecdotal, I know, and I'm not saying just because a guy claps the fans means he should be the captain, but it shows a sort of an awareness of of the role and and everything else. The problem is is that you know you, you can't really make a guy captain if you don't believe in him long term, and if Shaka is somebody who's going to stay maybe next season, and then we try and move him on then you, you make it more complicated. So I think that complicates the decision. Um, so beyond that, you're looking at who you're looking yeah. at. Um, Bellerin, Holding, Socrates maybe as a temporary captain if Koscielny were to go. And Lacazette? Yeah, maybe. I'm not mad for strikers as captains, though. Yeah. He does have some of that Henri sulkiness to him. Sometimes, uh, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a good character, and and uh, yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against it. I'm just not mad for it. Um, but yeah, there there aren't too many candidates. That's that's the reality of it. Do you think they'll stick with something like the five captains policy, or do you think that will die a death? Well, two of them are gone. One of them, yeah, is not any kind of captain whatsoever. Um, Mesut Ozil I, you know I just don't I mean he's a senior player but he's not a captain it's just not in his makeup and that's not to be critical of him that's just kind of who he is he's not he's not that guy sure. he's just not that guy um, Xhaka is um, you know Xhaka and we've, we've spoken about him and who was the other one? Uh, it was Ramsey Czech Ozil oh Koscielny of course uh, who is yeah. the actual captain so yeah who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the reality. If Ozil's here next season, he probably will be captain in some games, which does feel like a slightly perverse situation, but there yeah. you go. Um, Linus Widner on Facebook says, I've noticed that Andrew and James have lost their verbal tick look quite a bit since Arson left which I didn't realise wow. was a thing. He said, will you develop an Emery-esque tick this season? Uh, no. <laughs> do, you know, do you know that we have a verbal tick of saying, look, is that something that you have noticed no. previously? No. I think it's more you than me. I, I can oh, yeah? imagine you saying, look, it's basically one of those ways of uh, sort of giving yourself time to decide what you're going to say. To think, to yeah. Question. Yeah, yeah. It We're is. all doing it. We all do it. We all do it. Yeah. M- mine is that I say I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Pause. Then I think of something. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. I don't know. 
I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Look, we'll see where um, it takes us. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm just trying to think, Uno Emery's verbal tics that we could inherit. Well, I mean, of course, good evening, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Explain. Explain. Um, I like, I like this thing he says, when he says one instead of uh, ah, you know, so it's like, yeah. this is one player or this is one question for the club. Yeah. You know, it's, he means a question, but he always says one. Yeah. Really enjoyable little thing. Yeah. But we're not taking the mickey. His English is, you know. It's improving. Oh. It's improving. I'd like to see any of us go to a new country and hold press conferences and... Exactly. And Attempt in the to full explain ourselves. Of, yeah, exactly. It'd be like, well, this bloke, uh, yeah. he's terrible. That's, that's exactly. as much as I can do. Why, why did you lose <laughs> the game? Mustafi. Just point, I tell you what. Point the, the Mustafi. The, there's some great clips, by the way, speaking of sort of managers talking foreign languages, which are worth seeking out, of Bobby Robson and uh, Joseph Mourinho during Mourinho's days as Bobby Robson's translator. And Robson's sort of pidgin Spanish is so charming. It really is uh, something worth I must check that out. I mean, I yeah. love that. I'm, I always love that story about Bobby Robson, where he was doing, I think he'd brought out his book and he was doing a signing in a bookshop somewhere and people are queuing up and they're having a little chat and he's signing the books and he's doing this and it's going on for ages and ages and anyway this guy comes up and says oh yeah my name is uh, whatever my name is John will you sign the book to John and he's just chatting away to, to, to Bobby Robson and he says how many of these have you done Bobby and he says oh god been here for so long hundreds and hundreds of you know Anyway, guy goes off. Thanks very much, Bobby. Great to meet you. Going to love the book. And he opens <laughs> he opens up the book. It says, to John, all the best from Bobby Hundreds. <laughs> uh, That's which, great. That's brilliant. No, I, I always remember seeing the interview when Shola Amiobi broke through at Newcastle. And um, hey, this guy was saying to him, Shola, you know, it's quite an unusual name for... Geordie, you know, what does uh, what does the gaffer call you? What does Bobby call you? And he said, he calls me Carl Court, which I... <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's oh, well. awesome. Have you got one more? I think I've got one more if you want to finish on, on one. Uh, I've, I've, got one. Not got, I, I've not got one lined up, so yeah, let's do yours. Okay, this is from uh, Alfie Powell, at Alfie Powell. It says, Andrew, you have a team of yourself and four ex-Arsenal players. James, you have yourself and four current Arsenal players. Who are you choosing and who's winning a pub quiz? This isn't a game of football. This oh, is okay. a pub quiz. That, that was a late twist yeah. in the question. Can I ask, am I allowed to include Petr Cech or is he no longer... No, I'll, he... I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow okay. it. Okay. Okay. So he'd be my first pick. Petr Cech. He seems like a very well-read, intelligent guy. Okay. My first pick, Permer to Sacker. Yeah, good choice. Good choice. Um, the current squad, I mean, they've given me a tough task there, I think. Yeah. Oh, I'll go for Bellerin. I'll go for Bellerin. Yeah, okay. That's a good one. I mean, I think I would have to go with Dennis Bergkamp. He seems, sure. seems to be uh, an intelligent guy. Go on. Um, check Bellerin. I'm going to go Koscielny, I think. Okay. Because you at least have these videos that they do on, on exactly. the Arsenal, um, the YouTube 
where they they do quizzes between them. Yeah, like the one between and Mavropanos and Socrates is one of the funniest things I've I've seen in a long time. So check that one out. I think they're called okay. "What Do You Know" or yeah, "Who Do You it. Know." Yeah. Um, okay. Who- startlingly little for many of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I think um, Jens Lehmann. Yeah, but only because you know, for having a pub quiz uh, and it gets a bit feisty. I would like Jens just to kick off. I think that would be sure. fun. So I've got Czech... Bellerin Koscielny. Bellerin Koscielny. Um, tell you what, I'm going to pick another defender. I'm going to say Nacho Monreal. Nacho. Okay. I mean, look, if the pub quiz yeah. involves kicking an orange into a fridge, you're you're ahead. Well, who, that could be the tiebreak. That could be the tiebreaker. I am going to go for Philippe Senderos, man who speaks mm. 14, 26 languages, something like that. Clearly a very, very intelligent guy. So I'm going to go for, for Philippe. And you've got one more. I've got one more. Mm. Um, oh, it's tricky now. General knowledge. Who do I think would have good general knowledge? Um, I'm going to go for Carl Jenkinson, just in case any, you know, questions about 80s music come up. He can yeah. rely on his dad. His dad, yeah. Sorry, it's his phone a friend, you know? Okay, cool. My final one, let me think. you got to pick somebody who would really add something to the team. Andre Santos. Sure. Andre's- What's he bring into the party? Probably a load of cakes and fried chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we could all have a good snack. That. He's going to bring the pork scratchings for the pub quiz team. Do you know what I mean? You need that. Great win, gays. <laughs> so that's uh, yeah. That'll be your team name. But yeah, great win, gays. Great win, gays. That'll be fantastic. That would yeah. be fantastic. Um, if nobody, uh, if people don't get that reference, Andre Santos, um, following an Arsenal win, uh, put up on Twitter, one of his first games, maybe. Great win, gays. And it's become a legendary um, piece of Arsenal Twitter. Uh, so just for that alone, I think I, I would have him. Um, so there you go. I think it'd be a fairly even, a fairly even pub quiz, that. Yeah, I think you know it'd be it'd be close for. I think if I lose Petr Cech, yeah, you're fucked. Then I'm in trouble. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah, well, we better have that pub quiz before the end of June because at that point he becomes uh, not an Arsenal player, or is he still? Is the contract till the end the of Chelsea June? Chelsea pub it? quiz. Chelsea player. pub quiz. Yeah, we don't want. Yeah, that. Yeah, so I'm within my rights. Nobody needs. Oh, anything. you know what we haven't done? What the podcast? What we haven't done this week's magpie fact. Magpie. This is a recurring thing now, is it? So, should we do? Should I do the jingle? There's a jingle. Magpies, <laughs> magpies in your garden. Watch out! They'll peck out your eyes. Magpies flying in the sky, black and white, and conducting evil. Magpies, <laughs> magpie facts. There you go. Brilliant. I mean, that's um, obviously what you so spent your week- weekend doing. Yeah, so this week's magpie fact is as follows. Okay. M- magpies, uh, 
don't like shiny things. In fact, contrary to conventional wisdom, they are scared of them. Hang, Science. Hang on a minute. Yeah. Why are their nests all full of like are they though? Silver, Have you seen them? Silver bracelets and brooches and rubies and stuff. This is, uh, or is that uh, dragons? Is that dragons' lairs? I'm that's dragons, of. I think. That's right. dra- they dragons love got magpies scared shiny objects. I'm sure this is true. Uh, magpies do not steal trinkets and are positively scared of shiny objects, according to new research. Hang on a fucking minute here now, James McNicholas. What? Hang on. Yes. You're telling me that magpies are scared of shiny objects. What is one of the characteristics of a shiny object? You can see in it your reflection. Last yeah. week... And they recognise their reflection. Last week you told me magpies were, were mirrory bastards. And now you're telling me that they're well, not. What's going on here? I well, feel like we, there's what, conspiracy. What we've learned from this is that magpies don't like their own reflection. Magpies are suffering some sort of dysmorphic confidence problem because they can see their reflection, but they don't want to. Magpies are complicated. Lead author Dr Tony Shepard said, we did not find any evidence of an unconditional attraction to shiny objects in magpies. Instead, all objects prompted responses indicating neophobia, fear of new things. So wow. there you go. And another scary magpie fact. Go on. I don't, I don't want to blow all my magpie facts. I mean, it's a long summer, Andrew. Yes, true. Save some, but give but, us one more. Go on. Uh, mag, the, the magpie population of Britain has trebled since the Second World War, it, in which presumably many magpies fought and died. I don't know exactly <laughs> what their involvement was. <laughs> but since the Second World War... They have trebled. Wow. Now, if that's not a frightening thought, I don't know what is. Well, I, I would believe that because there is a, a surplus of magpies in this area. Yeah. Sunday morning, there were magpies fighting crows on the roof of the house. They were like, they were just going they are at mortal it. mortal enemies. They're like brawling, brawling like two gangs, sky gangs. And they're yeah. using my roof as a kind of battleground. This is their yeah. this is their arena, and it's really irritating. So yeah, I'd imagine. I think there does need to be some kind of a, a cull, um, but I'm not sure how legal it is. And yeah. actually, I'm not. I'm not sure. Just you chasing some magpies with a flamethrower or a badminton is, is the way bat. to solve this. But yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's um, the right way. I'm trying to be humane about this thing. I was thinking of setting fire to the tree at the back of the house, um, which which houses them. But that seems that seems quite cruel. And also, it's not my tree; it's in my neighbor's garden, so they might be a bit uh, unhappy with that. Um, so yeah, I think fill your gonna... garden with shiny things. Turns out they're scared of them. Right. Uh, that's that's the key. Uh, anyway, do, join do us what, next week for more. Do you know what Mac someone Pope. said to me actually? That I yeah. should get like, I apologise, can't remember, but it was on Twitter last week. Get like some toy snakes from a toy shop, like little rubber fake snakes, and put them all over the roof because birds are afraid of snakes. Wow! But there are no snakes in Ireland, famously. 
Do you think the birds know St. that? St. Patrick got rid of them all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It, yeah, they might be like, they, they can't be real snakes. Yeah, there's no snakes here. I mean, it's probably widely known across the animal kingdom. So... I'm going to need to look up magpie facts about snakes yes. for the next week. You do that. That's your research for the week. Um, <laughs> uh, and, um, and thank you very much. We better do the exit jingle, by the way. What's that? The exit jingle. Uh, it's similar. Voice. It goes like, uh, magpies, magpies in your garden. They believe in astrology and they eat ham. Magpies. <laughs> <laughs> They'll, they'll come for you at night. They'll peck at the window and beg to be let in. Magpie facts. They sound quite like vampires, apart from yeah. apart from the ham thing. Because yeah. I'm not sure well, vampires eat ham. They might do when there's not enough human flesh. Apparently, they taste quite similar. Human taste very like pork. Really? Okay. Well, I'll take your word on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word. Um, on that. I think we should probably leave it here. Yeah, okay. I reckon so. I reckon so. We'll have another podcast for you on Friday. Uh, Thank you as ever for being here. Hopefully the the football and magpie facts, that's what keeps people coming back. Um, We do appreciate all the listens, uh, reviews on iTunes. If you feel like doing that, great. If not, don't worry about it. Remember, you can get this podcast ad-free on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash arsblog. We'll have all the transfer news on arsblog news, blogs every day on arsblog, so stick with us throughout this summer we'll get through it together and uh, we'll catch you on the next one bye bye Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.